Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of A Good Drop, where each week and every week we go through our textbooks and try and find out the best way to drink gin. Yes, that's right. We're back to basics with this beautiful berry-based beverage, and we're going to tell you all about it and all about how to get into it if you're not already. The basics of this beautiful berry-filled beverage. I'm Stu. I'm Michael. Cheers. many drinks like this, but this one is gin. Uh, we are, yeah, we're here to give you a quick rundown on on the very basics, like no gin ever was. Yes. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Something like that. We're on, a, we're on a roll today. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> going to be the very best, like no gin ever was. Yeah. So yes, we are doing another one of our Beginner Basics episodes where we tell you good ways to drink less good gins to be able to get into it if you're not into it and get your friends into it if you're into it, but they're not. Hmm. Get the uh, pretty much rundown on um, how, to ease, how to ease into what could be what can be quite a strong flavored drink yes because uh, well for for most of our beginner basics episodes they're acquired tastes and how you acquire that taste makes a big difference i suppose let's start with the different a quick rundown of the different types because not all gins are created equal yes that is true though all gins are created similar mm. they do all contain juniper berries well they have to that yes, is, otherwise they're not a gin. Correct. They're just a, a gin style. Yeah, that said though, there is that uh, Australian gin style. Mm. That botanical, distilled botanical uh, spirit. Yes, that has somehow managed to win best gin martini cocktail <laughs> at a number of cocktail competitions despite not being gin. Mm. And if you want to, I suppose that is actually a really good way to get into gin, is with something that tastes very much like gin, but isn't gin, and is absolutely mind-bogglingly amazing. Yeah. Well, I I think the whole point is that gin is juniper-flavoured. Well, yes. And so trying something that isn't juniper-flavoured is kind of, uh, you're kind of missing the bullseye. A little, but then, you know, if it's going to introduce you to the similar sort of flavours that you experience from a gin, but it has a lot less of the bite. Mm. I do rem- remember that bottle being quite expensive, though. Oh, true. It was, I think it was towards top drop territory. Mm. So, let's... Uh... Yes, because we, we want to be suggesting things that are in good drop territory. Mm. You don't want to start cheap and nasty... But you don't want to start prohibitively expensive either because, you know, someone who doesn't know if they like it or not doesn't want to spend $90 on a bottle. No way. I don't even like spending $90 on a bottle and I do like the stuff. Yeah, though there are some incredible gins in that price range. Mm. Hendrix for for one. 
Mm, and of course, the ink gin. Ink gin. Mm. That those are both very very good. Yeah, gins. amazing stuff. And the Star Wars winter bathtub gin. Yeah, the which one... we'll never see the light of day again. No, was equally great. I should have bought two bottles. <laughs> Couldn't afford it though. Um, right. So the most common style of gin you will see is the London Dry. You got brands like Tanqueray, Bombay Sapphire, Gordon's Beef Eater. These are all London Dry. Uh, they are unsweetened, and all of their flavour and sweetness comes from the botanicals they are infused with. Yes, and they are good for mixing. In general, you do not want to drink them neat mm. because they have a lot more bite than the gins we will mention shortly. Yeah, and this is a lot of juniper flavours with... Uh, Hints of citrus being your secondary flavors. Exactly. So if you make, say, a gin and tonic with one, there is, depending which recipe you're looking at, the option to not just garnish with lemon, but also add 15 to 30 mil of lemon juice. And that can really take the edge off Mm. a London dry. Yeah. And a, a gin and tonic... While we're on that subject, a gin and tonic is probably the easiest way to ease into a gin. Yes, absolutely. It is, depending on the recipe you're looking at, 45 or 50 mil of gin and ice. Generally four cubes if they're being specific, otherwise just half the glass if it's a low ball or a quarter of the glass if it's a Collins high ball. Mm. Or one and, or one ice cube if you've got the giant ice cubes that I have. <laughs> yes, if you've got the giant <laughs> ice cubes. And then you garnish with lemon. If you're using a London dry, you whack in your 30 or so mil of lemon juice and then you fill the glass with tonic water. Mm. And to- tonic water, it should be noted, is not... It, it's sweetish like lemonade, but quite can be quite bitter, especially if you're not used to it. Yes, so it does also rely heavily on getting its flavours from what it's mixed with, like the lemon. Hmm. And alternatively, of course, alternatively, of course, you can use lime. Yeah. Lime also works, also provides that acid to cut through the less pleasant or stronger flavours. Hmm. Good way of drinking cheap gin as well. Yes. If, you, if you've got a bottle of... Gordon's or something. <laughs> right. Uh, style number two um, is a distillery-specific style. It's called Plymouth Gin. And it is a lot like the London Dry, but uh, a little bit sweeter and more, and has more earthy flavours. Uh, it is... Um, unlike London Dry, which could, could be made anywhere, like we have some fantastic London Dry distilleries or distilleries that make London dry gins in Australia. Um, But Plymouth Gin is only produced by one company. Mm. And yes, so naturally they produce their style Mm. of gin. So if you uh, like the London dries, or or if you would prefer something a little less, uh, not tart, Less, uh, less citrusy, a Plymouth gin might tickle your fancy. 
Our third category, we've got the new wave category, which includes brands like Hendrix, which uh, these gins tend to put uh, less emphasis on the juniper and more emphasis on other aromatics like like floral botanicals, citrus, or um, with Hendrix again, with cucumber. So a, a Hendrix and cucumber and tonic water is pretty good, pretty damn good. Mm. And of course, these new wave gins, they balance the flavors better than originally. They're not trying to have one very forward juniper flavor. Mm. They're, they're experimenting. This is the, the category where most of the craft distillers put their gins in because they're experimental. Yes, because we must remember that craft is not just for beer. Mm. It's anyone doing small batch and seeing how it goes. Yeah, pretty much. So up next we have Navy Strength, which uh, also tastes a lot like London Dry, but uh, is more alcoholic. So it's got more of that boozy kick up the back end of it. And uh, they come in around the 57% ABV mark. And uh, it gets its name from the British naval soldiers who would douse gunpowder with it and then try to light the gunpowder on fire. <laughs> Overproof stuff. Yeah, so it, it bears a similar flavor to London Dry Gin. It's citrusy and very juniper, but the high proof makes it a superior choice, makes it a superior choice in flavorful and aromatic cocktails. Mm. So you could use that on a gin fizz, for example. Yeah, or... Maybe a gin old-fashioned? Perhaps. And you could certainly end up with a very strong gin martini that way. Oof. <laughs> that, uh, that would definitely knock you for six, a couple of those. Oh, yeah. And uh, so if you've been listening to our recent episodes, you're familiar with this next one already, which is Geneva. Mm. We, uh, we only recorded that a few weeks ago, too. Yeah. Very, very nice. Yes, and it is... I mean, to say that it's a different style of gin feels incorrect because it's it's more like gin is a different style of it. Yeah, well, Geneva is the OG gin, like we said. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so it, it does have a very different mouthfeel and a very different flavor. Mm. Similar, but different. Yeah, it's like if, uh, if gin... If gin lovers wanted to try a whiskey, you'd have that. <laughs> yeah, and if whiskey lovers wanted to try gin, you'd give them that. Mm. Um, what would you mix the this in with a what would what kind of cocktails would you mix Geneva into? I think Geneva would go very well just as a straight up G and T. Mm. We might have to try that. Yeah. Because it's it's very different and you can get away with mixing whiskey with soda water. And soda water and tonic water soda water and tonic water are very similar. That is that is true. That is true. Now Old Tom is our next variety of gin. And uh, it has less of a juniper bite and a mouth coating multi sweetness. Hmm. So, the um, Old Tom bridges the gap between London Dry and the very scotchy Geneva. 
And legend has it that the old Tom moniker comes from a 19th century British bar that secretly dispensed its gin. So the bar featured a sign of a black tomcat and was outfitted with a slot into which the imbiber inserted coins and in return received a shot of gin. (laughs) So they pop in a coin and out comes gin. And the patron would yell, Puss! And the barkeep would reply, Mew! A signal to stick one's mouth around the pipe to drink the shot. That seems incredibly gross. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, by today's standards, yes, that's a disgusting thought. Yeah. But in the 1920s, when people didn't give much consideration to anything other than, how dare you say I can't get drunk? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, whacking a coin through a slot and sticking your mouth on a pipe so somebody could pour what you really hoped was gin down it. (laughs) (laughs) I guess something you'd do. Oh, my God. Um, So, Old Tom is also known as a bathtub gin. It's made slightly differently with the uh, herbs steeped in the in the uh, distillate instead of getting passed through. So the flavors are are more bold, stronger. This gin, um, you can, if you really wanted to, you could age this style of gin. Oh, yeah, and the flavors would just grow with time. You'd lose nothing. Kind of like that bathtub gin of eons ago (laughs) that we had. Yes, much like that. Mm. Now, really... well. But before we move, oh, are you, what are you going to say? Well, I'm going to talk about the Tom Collins. Oh, perfect. Never mind. Because you really can't, there's no other way to drink an old Tom gin mm. than a Tom Collins. It is the cocktail that was basically invented so that people could safely consume this beverage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's true. Because historically, that gin was very, very bad. And they needed to hide the flavor. And so a Tom Collins... So apparently Ransom Distillery does a pretty good job of reproducing a gin that used to be made back in Prohibition days. The the kind of gin that the Tom Collins was built around. Might, might be worth uh, try, picking up a bottle if we can. Mm, yeah, if we can... Locate it. Yeah, for uh, research purposes. Yeah. So the uh, the Tom Collins is actually very similar, very similar to a gin fizz in a lot of oh. ways, with the main exception being the old Tom gin. Because mm. it uses 45 mils of old Tom gin, 30 mils of lemon juice, and 15 mils of sugar syrup. Wow. And, of course, it's over ice, as all these drinks are, but topped with... Club soda, specifically. Right. So, specifically Old Tom Gin old Tom gin, and specifically soda or club soda. And then should be garnished with a maraschino cherry or an orange slice. Oh, we definitely have to have some of those at some point. Mm. That sounds pretty nice. And so much flavor that you would never taste the gin. Yeah, so the, the sugar syrup would really mellow out. The sugar syrup would really mellow out the intense, bitey flavors mm. of the old Tom. That it would. Uh, so our, our last two categories, we have flavored gins, uh, with most one of the most common examples being slow gin. 
uh, infused with the slowberries. S L O E, not S L O W. I have no idea what slowberries are, to be honest. But I have heard of slow gin. No, neither do I. But and then you can add them to gin, and well, I mean, you can add pretty much any botanical to anything mm. and change its flavor. Um, you can have so many different versions of this. The the list is endless. Like peach gin, raspberry gin, whatever. Yeah, basically, as long as one of the things that they've included in it is juniper berries, then you can basically use whatever botanicals you like and still call it a gin. Hmm. Absolutely. And our last version... Grape-based gin. So it's like juniper, but with floral notes and a noticeably rounder mouthfeel. Yeah, obviously it's exactly what it sounds like. It's made from grapes instead of grain. Yeah, so as with all the other gins, it still uses a base spirit that has the herbs and botanicals steeped in it. But yeah, that base spirit is grain. Hmm. No, sorry, that base spirit is grape, not grain. Uh, apparently, there's only a, only one company that there's only one company that produces this gin at the moment. And it is uh, Zorigue, Zorigue's gin from Menorca in Spain. Uh, it's made from distilled wine. And it's made from distilled wine using wood-fired pot stills. And they, av- and they briefly age it in American oak barrels before bottling. Uh, it is apparently very, very good in a G&T. So gin and tonic really is just a good all-round way to drink gin. Mm. And- well, that's how we're drinking gin today. Well, exactly. And so, realistically, if you're going to introduce people to gin, learn gin and tonic. But not just one recipe. Learn them all. All the different recipes for gin and tonic. All the different variations. Because <laughs> the reason they exist is that they allow you to take into account for the specific gin you're making it with. Mm. And they're really hard to stuff up. And At the very simplest, you... Pour a splash of gin in a glass, top it up with tonic water, and there you have it. Yeah, and if you find the flavor is a little bit overwhelming, you add a bit of lemon juice or lime juice and try it again. And you can just balance the flavors with tonic water and lemon or lime juice. Hmm. And uh, also with gin and tonic, you can... Still taste. You can still taste the gin that you are drinking. It doesn't uh, get watered down too much, as it were. Yes, it doesn't overpower it. That's not the point. Not like with some of the 1920s style cocktails hmm. that came into existence to overpower the cheap, nasty gins that were being produced at the time. Yeah, and it, it's just really simple. Yeah, so it's a good way to elevate a cheaper or more ordinary gin and at the same time a fantastic way to enjoy a really top shelf gin. Yeah. Because not everyone can handle a gin straight up or gin on the rocks. Yeah, even the nicest gins can have a real kick to them. Hmm. A lot of nice gins still have a, a big kick to them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's the subtleties that... You'll have to say that one again. It's the subtleties that you want to be getting out of it, and they're the Mm. things that aren't overpowered 
yeah. by adding a splash of lemon or lime juice and some tonic water. Yeah. Yeah. So in the uh, in today's gin and tonic episode, where we rave about gin and tonic for a half an hour. <laughs> yes, we are actually talking about how to get into gin. So I guess we should talk about what gin we're drinking. Uh, yeah, well, it is a it is the Bombay Sapphire. I suppose mm. I should get that. Yeah, which is a very well-known gin and one that we did mention. If you want to jump in the way back machine and go way back to our gin episode, we did talk about Bombay Sapphire way back then. Is it, did we buy this back then? I believe we did. Holy shit. That is a very long time ago. I'd completely forgotten about that one. You obviously read your notes. I don't have that book with me, though. But <laughs> Yeah, so Bombay Sapphire is a London dry, as we mentioned earlier in the episode. Vapor-infused, which is standard. Well, the, new, the current standard. Uh, the tantalizing, smooth, and complex taste that you experience when you sip Bombay Sapphire gin is described as fresh, citrus, and juniper flavors combined with an elegant, light, spicy finish. Based on our secret 1761 recipe, the 10 exotic botanicals are hand-selected to ensure their superior quality, then their neutral flavors are captured, then their natural flavors are captured through a delicate distillation process called vapor infusion. So they they do what most gin producers do. They pass vodka through a pipe with a basket of herbs in it. Yeah, and as it passes through, it picks up the flavors. Hmm. And that that's the secret to gin's flavor. Uh, gin's flavor being so subtle. Yeah, because the, the stronger ones, like the old Tom that we mentioned, where it steeps in it. Hmm. That's, yeah, passing through means the flavors are lighter. Yeah, soft, delicate, perfect to enjoy with a... Perfect to enjoy topped up with tonic water. Yes, exactly. We've we've repeated ourselves a lot here, but I think it's important to note that if you want to get started on gin, something like Bombay Sapphire, which is more a mid-range kind of a gin... Hmm. Well, it's in good drop territory. It is. It is in good drop territory. It, mm. it doesn't have the enormous complexity that you would get from, say, an ink gin. But, or a Hendrix. Or a Hendrix, yes. But it has a lot more complexity than you would get from a Gordon's. Yeah. And because, because it's middle of the range, it focuses on drinkability, not just producing something. Yeah, so it's relatively smooth it has a nice flavor profile mm. and it's a good place to start plus the bottle looks nice as a vase all that as well yeah the, <laughs> the slight light blue tinge and we're not saying if you're going to get into gin by bombay sapphire we're no. saying that something in that sort of range mm. around the 50 60 dollar mark yeah, yeah, something around the $50, $60 mark is a good place to be looking if you don't know anything about gin mm. as a starting point because you're not spending too much and maybe you don't like it. But you probably know somebody who does. So even if you've bought it and you don't like it, turn to your gin-loving friend and give it to them. Yeah. Invite them over. 
tell them that you've got a nice gin you'd like them to finish off for you. <laughs> yeah, perhaps share it with them and slowly develop a taste for it. Or don't. Yeah, or you don't. Do you. <laughs> yes, exactly right. But as you try it, do remember that you can vary the recipe of a gin and tonic to your tastes. Mm. Which is the most important part and why it's the best way to get started on gin. Yeah, just get your bunch of herbs and pick a few. Try try it 16 different ways. It could work. You might find a recipe that you like and everyone else goes, what on earth are you thinking? (laughs) Yeah, but if you like it, then you do you. More power to you. Yeah. Um, I haven't got anything else, actually. Yeah, no, me either. That's... uh... That's it, and I suppose that means that we're basically done with another basics, and it's <laughs> time for the plugs. Time for the basic amount of plugs. Uh, so, yeah, if you liked what you heard, everybody, we'd love you to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. We are a good drop all about alcohol on your favorite podcast app, including Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and more. And uh, you can, of course, find us on the socials, Facebook and Instagram, as a Good Drop Podcast. Mm, Look out for that beer icon. And if you want to send us some feedback, if you have a favorite gin that you think we should try, send us an email to agooddrop at gmail.com. And if you'd like to check out our backlog of episodes or direct a friend to an episode that you're particularly fond of, then you can find our entire catalog on our good old-fashioned website, a gooddrop.com.au mm. Good old-fashioned website. So, what are we drinking next week? Well, next week we are talking all about Pilsner. Pilsner. Kind of a style of lager. Kind of. Yes, kind of. And uh, as with so many beers, it has a good old story. Mm. And it's very, very drinkable. Oh, yes. Looking forward to that one. As am I. Until then... Cheers. Cheers.